Welcome to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Satirius Johnson. Today, we're going to explore the power of possibility with a series of what-if scenarios. To start, what if you could eat anywhere you want in California, whether you're craving a taco in San Diego or Chiapino in the Bay Area? Food writer Troy Johnson has some suggestions. They just have these massive, delicious burgers that they create this whole salad on top of, too, like tomatoes that are probably half the tomato. You need to unhinge your jaw and eat it. Next, what if you and your family could take the ultimate kid-friendly vacation anywhere in the Golden State? Writer Kelly Mickle shares family travel strategies along with a few favorite destinations. One advantage to the kids getting up at the crack of dawn is if you can get there early, you're also way more likely to end up seeing wildlife. We've seen desert tortoise, we've seen bighorn sheep, we see jackrabbits. Then, what if money was no object? Dino Michael, who heads all things luxury at Hilton, says you really ought to talk to the concierge about how to make your next stay truly memorable. That's all coming up on California Now. What if you could eat anything you want around California? The state is an amazing confluence of farm-fresh foods, creative culinary minds, and cultural diversity. My next guest is here to highlight some of the delicious possibilities in the San Diego area and around the state. Troy Johnson is a longtime writer for San Diego Magazine. You may also recognize him from such shows as Guy's Grocery Games with Guy Fieri, as well as Iron Chef. Welcome to California Now, Troy. Thank you so much for having me. Let's, let's, uh, let's make ourselves hungry. <laughs> I think that's definitely going to happen. Uh, you know, so it sounds like you, you have a pretty cool job. I mean, finding the best food and telling people where to go to enjoy it. Just briefly, how did that come to be? I was not supposed to be here whatsoever. So really, <laughs> I, I really wasn't. You know, I was, I've always been a writer. It was pretty much the only marketable skill I had in life. Could not change the light bulb or figure out math. So I just started writing for Alternative Weeklies, started writing about music, had an underground TV show and music in San Diego. This was before Pandora, before iTunes, and they let me into this little news studio in San Diego to put on punk bands and bands that would eventually play at Coachella. Maroon 5's first ever television performance was on our, in a little news studio in San Diego. So wow. I had all this stuff going on, and then 2008 happened, and my whole life collapsed, just like everybody else's. You know, advertisers pulled out, the economy collapsed, and I had to take a job at a magazine, and they told me I was going to have to write about food. Now, my first gut feeling was absolutely not. This is the most horrible thing that's ever happened to me. It sounds like a, gro- <laughs> it's like grocery list poetry. Who wants to write about food? This sounds, you know, something esoteric that only people with soft sweaters talk about. And <laughs> I, so I said to them very forcefully. Yes, I will absolutely do that because I need a job. Thank you so much. I will beg of thee. And I, you know, I just, I studied it and studied it and studied it and fell in love with it and started writing about it and then ended up, you know, filling out a little questionnaire that was sent out by Food Network. And I was done with TV. I thought it was a fickle beast, you know, and I didn't <laughs> want to get back in because I figured once my abs went away, I never really had abs. That's a trick statement. <laughs> and once my abs went away and the teeth had lightly yellowed, I'd be out of the picture. But I decided to fill out this little questionnaire and it made a couple people laugh. And they they called me and they gave me my own show called Crave on Food Network. And then that got canceled. But they it became a late night hit. And they called me back and said, hey, do you want to do the show with Guy Fieri? And that was six years ago. I've been on 100 episodes as a judge. I've done Iron Chef once. Um, you know, I think I've been on Guy, Guy's Grocery Games since 1936. 
<laughs> so let's talk about food. We're, we're, we're big on road trips on this show. And one of the quintessential road trip foods is, of course, the burger. Um, what are some standout burgers in and around San Diego? God, in San Diego, I mean, you have to go to Hodad's, which I, I will mention. It's an ocean beach, which is one of the last great beach towns in America. Almost 99% independent businesses on this tiny little street. And Hodad's has been in this guy's family for, you know, 60 years or something like that. And it's just a bunch of punk rockers, which is what this neighborhood <laughs> of Ocean Beach in San Diego is. It's a bunch of vagabonds, hippies, bubble blowers, hula hoopers. You know, it's the Venice <laughs> Beach of San Diego. And this, these burgers, they hire nobody who, I think you have to have a full body tattoo to work there and there's mm -hmm. metal playing and they just have these massive, delicious burgers that they create this whole salad on top of too, like tomatoes that are probably half the tomato. You need to unhinge <laughs> your jaw and eat it, but that's one of my favorites. And then the other one I would say is a place called Banker's Hill Bar and Restaurant in San Diego. It's done by a James Beard nominated chef, Carl Schroeder, who's got a restaurant called Market. Well, this is his casual offshoot and they do like this brisket and chuck and short rib combo on a brioche bun in this really hip little place in the middle of the city. It is amazing. Mm, I love those burgers that combine the different kinds of meats, the dif different cuts. They're not just like, you know, ground beef, but they're ground different cuts, which make the, the burger really like just explode in your mouth. It's a burger chorus. <laughs> That's amazing. And of course, you know, you know, we'd be remiss to overlook in and out I mean, since a lot of people from out of state, you know, they get here and the first thing they need to do is get that double-double. You know, in and out there is a lot of talk around um, certain circles, whether or not Shake Shack is better than in and out And, uh, you know, I, I personally don't put up with such blasphemy. I think that, you know, <laughs> if you're going to be in San Diego, you're going to be in Southern California, you have to go to in and out I don't actually think you're allowed to even sign up for gas and electric until you've gone to in and out at least once. <laughs> you know, it is. It's the classic. It's the staple. It was one of the first places in the country that decided to do it all fresh. And that's why they made their name. And it's still the same way, made exactly the same animal style, double, double, you know, and they have 9,000 different secret menu items that you can unlock if you're a true die hard fan. It is. <laughs> and the cars, the line is always 765 miles long, but it somehow goes in 15 minutes. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. Another characteristic of the San Diego food scene we can't overlook is just how much great Mexican food is available. I mean, we could probably do a whole episode just on tacos. You know, I just did a cover story for San Diego Magazine on some of my favorite tacos in San Diego. It, the taco culture here has really exploded. You know, the interesting thing about why it exploded was the Mexican chefs taught San Diego chefs immeasurable amounts of how to cook and just fire and charcoal and Baja Mediterranean cuisine. And that was when our, our taco scene really took off was when those, you know, chefs came across, you know, almost as culinary refugees, you know, mm. and started doing these pop-up dinners and taught our local chefs and really infused our scene, you know, with how to do do ash cooking, lime and, you know, aguachile presentations and everything else. I mean, it is now we've completely have the better taco moment in San Diego that LA has had for years. Wow. What about plant-based options? Is, is that a growing scene as well? For so many years, I think that plant-based options were just that steamed broccoli with a little bit of salt and butter on the side of your steak, mm. you know, and <laughs> finally it, it really hit San Diego. We have, you know, a, a place called Kindred and Kindred in San Diego. It's basically a 
vegan death metal restaurant. You know, they play like metal. They've got <laughs> all these ornate demon heads, a bit yet pink wallpaper too. You know, <laughs> it, it is it is a hipster's hipster, hipster, hipster place, but it's beautiful. Mm. And they have really done a job in creating a scene around plant-based food. I mean, some of the best res- best chefs and restaurants in San Diego are all going plant-based. Because if you think about what San Diego is, it's seafood, you know, it's Mexican food. And we have the most small farms per capita of any county in the United States. You know, when any chef moves here, the first thing they say is, you know, look, New York may have better chefs. They've got way more restaurants. New York, LA may have more, um, you know, more people, more restaurants, more space, you know, but San Diego has all of this produce. We've got strawberries that are so growing and red and vibrant and taste juicy like a strawberry mm. in November, you know, so because of that farm richness all the chefs here have learned how to cook with and it's no longer just steaming or braising or anything else they're making like full-on you know four course meals that are completely transformed using you know the natural bounty right right so what would you say is like you know a must-have at that restaurant you know they have a jackfruit barbecue um burger uh, jackfruit barbecue pulled pork pork in quotation marks at Kendrick, right. you know, which you definitely have to get. It's beautiful. They make some of the best craft cocktails uh, in, in, the, in the county. And then they also have a strudels. They have a brunch that they do. And it's, you know, vegan strudels. If you remember those strudels <laughs> that you would get in the freezer that your mom mm-hmm. on a Sunday when you've been a good child, you know, would say, fine, <laughs> go ahead and crush seven and then go catatonic on the couch. They have those strudels. <laughs> and it's delicious. Oh, wow. All right. Let's look at a a few other destinations in California. Where else should we go? Starting with LA, like what's, what's something you're craving from Los Angeles right now? In LA, my mom went to USC and we, for a couple of years, we lived in a part of town called Downey and Downey, you know, at least at the time, you know, was, it was just struggling to come up, you know, it was, it didn't have, it wasn't a Beverly Hills, you know, I loved it though. And we didn't have all the food and it wasn't like this hip scene. But there, there's this little place called Fatima's. It's Lebanese. They do they do halal meats and they do little pita sandwiches that are fantastic. And that neighborhood I have so much love for. And I'm so glad that something like this became a star. It is always packed. People always go there. It's beautiful meat, succulent in pita sandwiches. Mm, sounds delicious. Oh, my God. And I love Mediterranean food. So Lebanese is excellent. So good. All right, so let's keep going north and maybe talk about something to wash down all this great food we're talking about. How about a favorite dish or restaurant in San Francisco? I think in San Francisco, there are two places that I, you know, I would have to go. Like I I have to go to foreign cinema every time. Again, this is another one that's that's a little bit older. It's been open for 21 years. My wife and I just went there uh, a couple years ago when we were up filming grocery games and you know, we passed through San Francisco. And it is yeah, you're outdoors. They have those old stands from the drive-in movie theaters, the microphones, <laughs> you know, mm. and they've just been doing California cuisine so well. And they have black and white movies playing, perfect lighting. It is one of my, it's, it's an art, it's an art house. It really is, you know, a, a foreign cinema. I mean, a, a former cinema place. So, I mean, it's, it just, I don't know. There's something about the way that people, Hospitality people have always appreciated art, but some people have that magic touch, you know, of just incorporating the art and the ambiance and the food all together. And to me, that has never been done as well, you know, or Bennu 
You know, Benu is that like French Asian from James Beard Award winner, you know, Corey Lee. He used to be the French Laundry. He was the French, he was the top chef. Uh, lobster soup dumplings are amazing there. I mean, it's one of those places where you go and you go, I did not know that human beings could do this to food. You know. <laughs> what about wine country? A wine country, God. I mean, obviously California is, you know, amazing for wine. For me, when we're talking wine countries, there are two different versions. You know, there is the High Castle, which is Napa Valley. It is built up and beautiful and excellently planned and majestic and magisterial. And it's just an experience. You know, it is the Versailles of the wine country. And for me, you've got Sonoma, which is this flatbed truck, salt of the earth, wipe your, you know, hands on your jeans sort of wine country and that's Sonoma. <laughs> I, I love it. It's just because these are my people. This is that you walk in, you feel like you're walking into somebody's living room because you are. It's this one bedroom place where they're like, oh, well, you know, we're making this great Pinot out by the shed, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it is, I mean, and they have very, very beautiful, elegant wineries too. I mean, you know, I shouldn't cast them all as that, but for me, it definitely is more of a, um, you know, just approachable, you know, a, a kind of down home you know, kind of feeling like you're stopping at a, you know, roadside shack and getting, you know, some good food. The same thing with, in terms of wine. You know, they've got a place called uh, Motion, M-O-S-H-I-N, and they do a great Pinot Noir. They've got a place called Brickler Vineyards. Beautiful, beautiful place. Pinots and Grenaches and everything else. You know, for me, it's just like, it's that, like, handshake sonoma is that handshake that isn't too strong isn't too hard it's not that power handshake it's just <laughs> a really warm friendly shake mm. wow, that's a great way to describe it you know i it just feels you know that place where you're like you walk in you're like wow i don't feel like i have to do anything but be me oh that's so great okay so why don't we wrap up now with one more what if scenario mm -hmm. what if this was your last day on earth and you had to pick your final meal what are you going to get and why? You know what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into a little Thai restaurant called Saab E. Lee in San Diego. And I am finally going to order Thai hot number three. Anything they do, it is one of the best little places on the planet. I will get their drunken noodles with roasted duck. And finally, I will say, because I'm dying tomorrow. You know, I think <laughs> I'm ready to try Thai hot number three because I've tried it before and I realized that I'm just not that um, special grade of human being that can tolerate this sort of pain, you know, but it is, <laughs> but Saab Ely, it's just, again, it's one of the, those are the places that I love, you know, those are the places that Jonathan Gold, you know, uh, championed, Anthony Bourdain championed, you know, those little mm -hmm. holes in the wall, you know, we have some of the best chefs in the, in the country in, in California. You know, but we have some of the best holes in the walls, too, you know, where even though they may not have the James Beards, they may not have the, you know, Michelin stars. They are every bit as exciting and soulful and skilled cooks. You just got to know which hole to peek into. Oh, my God. Troy, this has been really great. Thanks so much for joining us on California Now. Of course. Of course. Thank you. Troy Johnson writes about food for San Diego Magazine. He's on Instagram at HeyTroyJohnson. His website is HeyTroyJohnson.com. And check out the feed over on SanDiegoMagazine.com. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, VisitCalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now.
In a world that's constantly in a rush, it's about time to disconnect from your everyday and let your adventure unfold on the Central Coast. Take time to explore 350 miles of the world's most breathtaking coastline. Dig your feet into the warm sand and watch the sun dip into the ocean. Wander, wonder, and take in the views at dozens of state parks. Paddle, surf, or dive right in to discover diverse sea life and towering kelp forests. Break bread, sip wine, and taste something new at nearly 700 tasting rooms and wineries. Stroll back in time and learn about our region's rich history. It's about time you stop, relax, and smell the poppies. If you take the time, it will give you the time you need. And it's worth every second. It's about time you visited the central coast of California. Map out your adventure now at theoriginalroadtrip.com. And please remember to travel responsibly. What if you and your family could take a vacation anywhere in California? Where would you go? What would you do? And how could you ensure that the adults on the trip have as much fun as the kids? Well, my next guest has a few suggestions from trip planning strategies to adventures in the desert. Kelly Mickle is a mom and an award-winning journalist who's written for the likes of L.A. Confidential, Condé Nast Traveler, and Sunset. Welcome to California Now, Kelly. Thanks so much. I'm happy to be here. So uh, you have two kids, right? I do. I have a three-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son. Oh, how great. And um, what kinds of things do they like to do? They love pretty much any time that they can be outside exploring. So we tend to take them places like the beach and the desert where they can climb on rocks and make up (laughs) stories. Oh, that's really great. Uh, So, you know, before we actually get into any specific destinations for children and for itineraries... um, Do you have any kind of overarching tips or strategies for parents thinking about a family trip in the Golden State? Uh, Well, I think number one for any parent traveling with kids is to lower your expectations. Um, (laughs) Traveling with kids is always an adventure and sort of being prepared for the unexpected is, is key. I think booking ahead right now is important because with all the COVID precautions, there are a lot of limits on capacity. So I think there's going to be a lot of competition. So looking ahead and and following people on social media can be really helpful because you can find the most up-to-date information there. That's really interesting. You know, I've never thought about using social media follows as a trip planning tool, but that's actually a really great idea. Yeah, I find it's really helpful not only to get information from the actual place that that you want to visit, but you can also follow along and see who's tagging them and sharing photos from their own experiences when they've visited. And so you can get kind of a a better on the ground sense of, of what it's like and things that you can see and do while you're there. Now, I know kids tend to be early risers. Do you try to take advantage of that as well? Absolutely. I think that is one advantage to the kids getting up at the crack of dawn is if you <laughs> if you can get there early, you're also way more likely to end up seeing wildlife. I, we find that especially in uh, Joshua Tree National Park, there's so much more to see early in the morning. We've seen desert tortoise. We've seen bighorn sheep. You see jackrabbits and you can you can just get a, a better sense of a place when it's a little quieter and, and there is more for them to see and explore and take it all in early in the morning. Do you have any other great advice? I think there's a tendency for adults to 
when traveling with kids to to look for the shortest route or the the quickest way to get somewhere. And oftentimes the scenic route is the best bet with kids. Uh, it's traveling with kids is always going to take a little bit longer. And so if you can take those stops and those pauses that you need to take for for them and do something fun, whether that's exploring a little town and grabbing ice cream at an ice cream shop or stopping to see elephant seals on your way up to Big Sur. There are so many quaint, cool little towns. And so kind of baking that into your trip and and making that part of the experience, I think is really key and finding things that are for not just the kids, but also the adults. So if there's a a great restaurant that also is sitting right on the beach so the kids can play in the sand while you can sit back and enjoy your food, I think the more that you can find activities that can appeal to everyone, the more that everyone will be able to relax and enjoy the trip. Right. And I, and I love that you are kind of like, you know, telling us to enjoy the journey just as much as the destination. Yeah, I think traveling with kids so much of your time is spent on the actual act of traveling, you know, so why not make that more fun? So, so Kelly, you grew up in, in the surfer's paradise of San Clemente, right? The beaches just I seems did. like an ideal place for family, for a family outing. Has that been your experience? Yes. I think because of growing up at the beach and on the water, for me, the top of any family travel list would be a beach day. And there's so many beaches in California to explore that there's kind of no limit to what you can see and do and and so many different options for families whether you want to do stand up paddle boarding and surfing or boogie boarding or you know duffy rides is another um thing that i think is a great option for families you can rent these little electric boats and and cruise around the harbors and and check out different places which can be really fun a fun way for the kids to to explore and and see sea lions and dolphin. Oh, that's really cool. And so you're actually just dri- you're you're driving the boat yourself. Yeah, so I grew up in San Clemente, which is this small little surfer beach town, and just north of, of that is you've got Laguna Beach, which is known for its beautiful beaches, and then if you keep going north of there, you get to to Newport Beach, and in this big harbor, they've got these electric duffy boats that are available for rent, and they've got coolers, and you can cruise around and eat food. There are also docks where you can pull over and tie up and eat at different restaurants. There's a a playground there right on the beach uh, with a a giant lighthouse as part of the playground where kids can play uh, on the beach called uh, Marina Playground. And uh, they've completely renovated the Lido Village uh, area there that now has a bunch of boutiques and world-class restaurants for adults, but also has a little boat fountain with sailboats that kids can sail around. And uh, there's a great restaurant there called The Crab Cooker that's been around for 70 plus years. It's just gone through a big renovation that'll be reopening soon. And it's just a classic seafood restaurant, fish market. You walk in, it's got this big glass case full of fresh seafood and live crabs. that The kids love to kind of peer in and look at, and all the food is served on paper plates and it's very homey and no frills, but just fresh and, and delicious. 
Now, I, I know you spend a lot of time in Joshua Tree. Do you think parents looking for a family getaway should consider going to the desert? I do. It's definitely not a place that people often think of. And yet there are so many wonderful places to check out. And I think the landscape there is for kids and adults really is kind of otherworldly. You get out there and they're just these twisted Joshua trees that look like something out of a Dr. Seuss book. You've got (laughs) these rock formations that almost look like piles of melted candle wax, like in a Mm. Salvador Dali painting. Like it's just kind of like an alien planet and you get out there and there's just these wide open spaces and it's hard not to feel kind of in awe of, of the the landscape there, it's so different. And I think it makes you realize why it attracts so many different artists and musicians and kind of all walks of life. It's really this like kind of misfit community in the best way of all different types of, of people. And you can do so many different things, anything from horseback riding. There are some great nature trails uh, that are easy for kids. There are one mile loops, like the Hidden Valley Nature Trail and Barker Dam are both easy, flat walks that the kids can do. And you'll see tons of wildflowers during like May and in early fall. And you also don't think of of the desert as being colorful. And yet during the spring and fall, it's just, there's like blankets of yellow wildflowers. And then all the cactuses are blooming with these kind of bright, hot pink and red and yellow flowers. And it's, it's just stunningly beautiful. So let's talk about road trips for a minute. That seems like another great way to uh, travel as a family. Does your crew like to head out on the highway? We love to take road trips. And I think our favorite road trip has to be taking the the Highway 1 up to, to Big Sur and Monterey. Yeah, that's a beautiful, classic, kind of iconic California road trip. Do you have any kind of favorite destinations on that uh, on that route? You know, on, on the drive up, we love to stop at Pismo Beach is a great little beach town and has some stunning cliffs, landscapes. The kids love to play on the beach there. And then just up the one from there, before you get up into Big Sur, there's the Elephant Seal Beach where you can just find dozens of these huge elephant seals sunbathing on the beach. And they make very funny noises, which <laughs> the kids think is pretty hilarious. Is that in the area of Hearst Castle there, San Simeon? It is, yes, which is another fantastic place to stop with the kids and and see the castle really is, is breathtaking and kind of more than you, lives up to any expectations that you would have. So I think that's definitely worth stopping to visit with your kids as well. Are there some uh, favorite places that you like to stay overnight or maybe, you know, stop for a meal along the way? In Big Sur, one of our favorite places is Nepenthe. It's a great restaurant perched on the cliffs overlooking the Pacific. They've got great food and a lot of outdoor space and a little gift shop where you can find cool toys and books for the kids. There's also a, a little motel just up the one from Nepenthe called Fernwood, which is great because it's got all different levels of accommodations. You can stay in a motel room. You can glamp in a little 
kind of prefab tent or you can pitch your own tent if you want to give your kids the full camping experience. Yeah, you know, you mentioned glamping and it's like it's something that I don't actually I've never thought of glamping with kids, but I guess that's actually a really great way to maybe introduce them to camping. It is. It's a perfect way to kind of dip your toe in camping with kids because it can feel a little intimidating, both I think for them and and for you. And lugging all that gear, especially if you're on a road trip, is not always possible logistically. So there's some great glamping options on your way up Highway 1. You know, there's El Capitan in uh, near the Santa Barbara area. And then in Big Sur, there are several different places that offer camping and glamping accommodations. And you can get these prefab tents, you can get cabins where you've got, you know, actual real beds set up. And I think it's just a nice way as a family to kind of explore camping and expose your kids to camping without having to fully commit to a hardcore, you know, (laughs) week-long camp trip with no running water. Right. And it's also something you can do for like a night or two, right? You don't have to commit to a long term. Exactly. That's really great. Uh, Kelly, before we wrap up, um, what about finding family fun in your own backyard in Los Angeles? Uh, Where would you send people traveling with kids? The last year has kind of encouraged me to to be a tourist in my own city. And uh, there's so much to explore in Los Angeles. Another great spot that we love to take the kids is Descanso Gardens, which is just up the to in La Cañada, not too not too far. And it's a beautiful gardens. They've got everything there from Japanese gardens to redwood trees and a California desert and a giant rose garden. And they typically have a lot of live music outdoors, um, family events, story times for kids. They also sell um, plants for your garden. So you can take the kids there. And right now they're doing a big thing selling tomatoes. So you I know a lot of people this past year have been growing their own food at home, so uh, they can help you, whether it's planting flowers or vegetables in your garden, you can um, find a lot of that there. They've got great pink lemonade that that the kids love in these little ponds with ducks and turtles, so we'll often get lemonade and hang out by the pond and watch the animals. Well, Kelly, this has really been great. So much great information. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Thanks so much for having me. Kelly Mickle is an award-winning magazine writer and journalist. Follow her on social media. She's on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly Mickle. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. Here's an exciting what-if scenario. What if you decided to go all out on a California luxury splurge? What if money was no object? What would you do? As my next guest points out, when you stay at a great hotel, the folks at the concierge desk are absolutely devoted to helping you make the most of your stay. Dino Michael is Senior Vice President and Global Category Head of Luxury Brands at Hilton, and we're going to secure some tips and tricks from him. Welcome to California Now, Dino. Thank you very much, Stuart. So as the saying goes, the best things in life are free, but sometimes it's really fun to indulge in a blowout dinner, buy front row tickets to a Lakers game, or go on a high-end shopping spree in Beverly Hills. Uh, do you agree, Dino? I couldn't agree more. It's the, it's the simple pleasures in life. 
and you know, Hilton, of course, has a number of luxury properties in California. Can you kind of um, just tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, we're we're really fortunate to have four great properties in California: the Waldorf Astoria Beverly Hills, uh, the Waldorf Astoria Monarch Beach, the Quinta Resort and Club uh, in the Coachella Valley, and uh, most recently um, our Oceana Hotel in Santa Monica, part of our Alexar collection. And they are all fabulous properties, but but all each one of them is is unique. They're totally different from each other. I'm, I'm sure over the years, uh, your team has had some over the top guest requests. I'd really love to to hear about some of them. Yeah, and they are they all they're all very different hotels from obviously coastal locations to the glamour of Beverly Hills to obviously the beauty of um, the desert in Coachella. So yeah, I mean our guests when they arrive, I think that they. They immerse themselves in the local area. They immerse themselves in kind of the, the visit. And I think there's no real limit to what they can do. I mean, some of those examples could be anything from a private uh, viewing or a private retail experience at someone like Salvatore Ferragamo, where it's not only about purchasing new items, it's about learning the history of a brand you know, what matters to them, their craftsmanship, and really being able to delve deep into that brand. And I think, you know, as as we also, as, as a hotel brand, love to talk to people about our story and our history, so do our retail partners. And it's not just about, you know, the latest fashion. It could be about sourcing a rare pair of Yeezy sneakers or arranging, you know, that coveted Hermes bag. And that guest demographic has really changed it's not only now the preserve, I guess, of the more mature guest who's, you know, looking for something a bit unique. It could be a young, you know, early 20s, someone in a, in a hoodie looking for that rare, coveted, you know, supreme label. You know, you mentioned the Santa Monica property. I'm not familiar with that one. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, it's a, it's a great hotel that recently joined our collection brand, LXR Hotels and Resorts. It's the Oceana. It's steps from the Pacific Ocean. It's kind of in a little discreet nook just up from the pier. Um, it's a wonderfully intimate hotel. Um, it's like you found your dream beach home. It's a suites only uh, hotel that just has a, a great feeling to it. There's a little pool that kind of surrounds all the rooms. Um, it's a wonderful property. Like I said, steps from the pier, steps from Santa Monica Central, um, a, real, you know, a real addition to our, to our brand. I always love being right close to the water if possible. So you can kind of like uh, just jump into the ocean if you need to. It has this wonderfully intimate residential feel to it. Like you could stay there for a month and be perfectly happy. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, I know, I know that, a, that a lot of people who are planning a big celebration in 2020, maybe a wedding or a key anniversary, had to defer those plans. Are you seeing travelers arranging blowout experiences for later in 2021? Oh, there's this huge pent up demand. You know, we know that you know there's only so many home renovations you can do right while you're waiting to travel. Um, <laughs> you know, if you think about you know, our Waldorf Astoria at Monarch Beach, you know, one of the most popular requests, and we're seeing those coming through hard and fast, is for you know partner experiences. I think there's a there's a very there's an amazing local gin distributor uh, called Nolette, and they arrange exclusive behind the scenes tours of their USHQ in in Orange County and private mixology classes and you know again we've seen bookings for friends gathering reunions they want to make it unique and special you know i think when when some people hear the word luxury their mind immediately races to expensive and they wonder you know can i afford that 
but indulging doesn't necessarily mean breaking the bank, right? You know, it's about you know, exclusive access, rarity. It's not necessarily about the, the ticket price. It's just these unique moments that money can't necessarily buy. It's down to the connections and the relationships our concierge teams have developed over years. So let's talk about how to find those memorable opportunities around California. For, for people staying at one of your upscale properties, do you recommend talking to a concierge? hundred percent. It's a little bit like going to a great restaurant and having a sommelier come over to you and say, you know, how can I help? And you say, well, I, I would, I'll just take this Chardonnay, please. And you've got an individual there that's been training for years, that's passionate about a product that can help guide you. And I think there's probably some nervousness. You know, people think, well, if I go to the concierge, they're going to recommend something that's maybe out of my out of my price point. But our concierge teams are very, very well educated and they look for those social cues. They're very good at reading you know, our, our guests and what they want. And, you know, and I think the advice is obviously, first of all, talk to them. But secondly, let them get to know you. Explain to them what you like, what you want, you know what you enjoy doing, and even before you, um, you arrive at the hotel, once you make a reservation, our hotels reach out to you, our personal concierge reach out. And again, my advice is the more you tell us, the more we get to know you, the more we can do, the more we can enrich your stay, we can enrich your experience. And our concierge teams will take all of those cues. They'll look for those cues to create something unique. Now, again, another example, and this is personal to me, now I, st- I was staying at one of our hotels in California and you know typically I was with my with my kids and you know they all one of my children had a brand new phone and predictably dropped it in the pool on the first day. Oh, obviously I hadn't I hadn't told him it was waterproof. So he's obviously <laughs> freaking out, panicking, you know, runs over to the to the pool attendant and asks for a cup of rice, you know, obviously because obviously one thinks you put something in in a cup of rice and it dries out right. and magically continues working. So obviously that story, you know, spread around the team members. And by the time we got back up to our room, there was an amenity in the room made of chocolate. And the chocolate on a tray were four <laughs> handsets made of chocolate. You know, and they've oh. even gone to the trouble of, you know, uh, uh, 3D printing the screen on rice paper. And one of the handsets within a lot was in a large glass of chocolate pearls. Basically just mimicking our kind of small little drama in the morning, but turning it into this fun end of day experience. And obviously my children dove into the chocolate and finished in about five seconds. But (laughs) the fact that the pool attendant spoke to the supervisor who went into the kitchen, relayed the, you know, the incident to the chef who then came up with this idea to create something unique for the room when we got back up there. That's what they do. They'll take any cue to create something memorable. I mean, having the concierge there at your disposal is such an amazing resource, but a lot of people, they don't have experience with dealing with a concierge. So what, what do you tell people who may be intimidated by, you know, the thought of even reaching out to one? I think just remember that at the end of the day, um, our concierge team are locals. They're just locals. They're really knowledgeable, passionate locals, but they live and breathe the area they're in. You know, and again, even if you think about just the way we now interact with our with our guests you know there's that traditional notion of you stand at a counter and you're, you're, you're speaking to a concierge but if you're visiting you know wolf store beverly hills or wolf store in monarch beach you'll sit you know on a sofa with our concierge ipad in hand and they'll they'll talk to you guide you it's a very informal 
detailed experience. And I think, yeah, again, the more the more you give to us, the more knowledge we can get from you, the better that experience will be. And don't be afraid, like I said, that they're just locals. And they've got you know, relationships that they've been lucky to have for years. And you know, sometimes there is that moment where no matter how much you want that table at the most exclusive restaurant, sometimes it really isn't possible. You know, they're just full. So what, <laughs> what you really will get from a concierge, you get it's not really a plan B. You get a really good alternative, just as good. And actually, in some cases, you'll uncover a secret because obviously everybody wants to go to the hot ticket in town, the hot table in town. And again, if that's not possible, trust your concierge. It, they'll, they'll say, okay, that's what they like. That's what they're trying to, to do this evening. Let's find something just as good. And I'll find that reservation for another night. And it could even be something as simple as pointing me to like the closest In-N-Out burger, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be something fancy all the time. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I get another great story. I, I was at the Quinta uh, for, for an event we held with one of our partners, Aston Martin. And we had this event for our guests where they could you know, take an Aston Martin out for a drive. And again, part of this immersive experience where you get to know the car Aston Martin provided you know, professional drivers who really understood the heritage of the brand. And at the end of the night, I was with a colleague and got talking to a couple of guests and we took the Astons out for a drive through in and out. And it, was, <laughs> it was one of the best nights we've ever had, you know, just rolling up, you know, hood down, obviously, because we didn't want the car to um, smell of fast food, but uh, to go and <laughs> kind of take, take, the, take the cars down with the guest who... Um, kind of followed me down there and we, we just grabbed it in and out a milkshake and we came back. And I think that was probably one of their most memorable um, fast food visits they've ever had. That's pretty amazing. Um, Dino, this has been really great. Thanks so much for joining us on California Now. My pleasure. Dino Michael is Senior Vice President and Global Category Head of Luxury Brands at Hilton. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com podcast. This is California Now. Thank you for listening to California Now. We hope you enjoyed this episode and get a chance to hit the road soon. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. You can find our show on iTunes and Stitcher. Please subscribe and please check our website for the latest in the way of state travel advisories. It's visitcalifornia.com. <laughs>